Blog Talk Radio. Happy Wednesday to each and everybody, wherever each and every one of you all may be. Welcome to Cats Talk with Vinny and Terry, Vinny Hardy, alongside Terry T.B. Brown. Looking forward to another show. Appreciate y'all giving us your ears. T.B. is up in Louisville. I'm down here in Myrtle Beach. How's everybody mm-hmm. doing? You good, T.B.? I'm doing good. I know you're I know you're traveling around uh, doing the family thing, so uh, you know you're you're out there at the beach. I'm still here in Louisville, but that's all right. I'm not jealous or anything. <laughs> Man, it was. <laughs> I've been posting a few little pics here and there on the social media. Uh, the lovely Miss Teddy Hardy and I and our two boys, uh, Micah and Chandler, and we have our little niece with us. Jalen, from outside of Savannah, Georgia. We've been ripping and running and dodging raindrops today. Uh, We're doing all kind of fun stuff. Went out on a little dolphin cruise today. Never done that before. We talked about doing it last year and uh, actually did it this year. Uh, Took a pretty good-sized boat out about a mile or so out in the ocean, and, man, there were dolphins just jumping all around. It was unbelievable. That, that was cool. The boys loved it, I and mean, we loved it, too, because it was, I mean, you just don't see something like that every day. So it was a lot of fun. Well, that's good. That's good. I'm, I'm sorry you, you're having a little bit of rain at the beach. Some of us are here, you know, working and still got our grind on, but that's all right. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you hey, uh, sharing the pictures. I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, you know, as yeah, and you know, it's as all vacations do, they go by way too fast. It'll be Monday, and I'll be right back grinding alongside everybody else. But uh, it's good to roll down here for a little bit uh, and get the kids out and the family out because you're a good family man yourself. And uh, summer flies by, school be back in, so it's fun. Take a few days. Uh, Saturday will be here before you know it. We'll be heading back home. So, having a little bit of fun. Rain or not, we had a little three sunny days when we first got here. It looks like it might be kind of rainy, cloudy the rest of the way. But it was still fun doing the, the little cruise because you're going to get wet anyway. So, you know, the, the ocean water splashing in on the boat, it's already drizzling, so it doesn't even matter. Today was really like the perfect day to do that. Like um, when you go to a water park, I think my uncle and they always used to say, when you go in the water parks, man, go on a rainy day when it's not lightning. You'll have a whole park to yourself. You don't have any lines. 
because nobody will go because it's raining. But you're going to get wet anyway, so just go ahead and hit the water park on, the, on a wet day, which which makes a lot of sense. Yep. So uh, yep. that's kind of no, what we did. So what's been going on, man? We got a lot of fun stuff. Got two good guests. We got Sepp Blatter and FIFA in the news again. We got a lot of stuff to talk about again tonight. And we even got the NBA Finals and Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, there's a there's a lot going on. A lot been going on last couple of weeks, so we got a lot of ground to cover. Not a lot of specific UK stuff, but the the sports world uh, keeps turning. So there's a lot exactly. To cover. That's it. And uh, if you want to give Terry and myself a holiday number, it's eight four five two seven seven nine three seven three. We're all over Twitter at Vinny Hardy at T Brown underscore eighty at Cats Talk Wednesday. I got the Cat Talk Facebook page. Uh, you can get the show through any of those measures. <clears throat> and as mentioned, we got a couple of good guests. We had uh, our good friend, TB's homeboy from way back, Matt May, is going to be coming on at 7.15 now. Moved him back to 7.15. Going to talk some American Pharaohs, some Triple Crown, some Belmont Stakes. We'll see if uh, American Pharaoh can get that done this weekend. Two down, one to go. Uh, at 6.30, our first guest is Jeremy Sickle, who will be on the talk, Kansas City Royals, Kansas City Chiefs, and he is a sock game guy. Uh, he got links <laughs> and websites and stuff all about it. TB, as all you listeners know and see him on Twitter and Instagram, is all about the sock game as well. So, I mean, these two on that subject – it's going to be something else. So I'm looking forward to just sitting back and, and, and learning and listening. Uh, so that's coming up in about 25 minutes. Um, but might as well start off because we get plenty of time for the finals, the Warriors, the Cavs. We can't wait. We love the NBA. But two weeks in a row, who would have thunk it? Sepp Blatter makes our show. We talked about the FIFA mess last year <laughs> with all those dudes. <laughs> those seedy, suspicious looking dudes. You said they look like dudes from a James Bond uh, movie, villains from a James Bond movie. All of them, you know, looking shady. 14 guys got busted last week, and Seth Blatter was running for a fifth term as president of FIFA. He wins because the guy running against him drops out. He won yesterday, and then today. He resigned, so it, to me, there's no way he couldn't have been immune to all this stuff, and yet he won his fifth term. I'm like, really? And then it all kind of starts hitting the fan, even for him, and he has to kind of to give up the throne, so to speak, today. Well, you had to think that with so many high-level folks going down in FIFA, uh that the cards were going to start falling. It's like anybody that has seen any kind of uh, police procedural show, uh, your Law and Order, your CSI, if you can get a lieutenant in an organization to turn and give up some information, then you can get the big fish. And that's basically what happened. For Seth Blatter to be so adamant and so defiant at the uh, presidential election, uh, 
I mean, he was. I mean, it was this. This was like just a, a dictator being defiant. I'm not stepping down, and we've got work to do. And then to turn around and do a complete 180, you had to say to yourself, "They got something. Somebody talked. Somebody said something." Uh, and then uh, I've seen today where there's some uh, allegations uh, that he uh, got his hand caught in the cookie jar. So it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, the way that it shakes down uh, with with um, the way uh, Russia got a World Cup and Qatar got uh, a World Cup, and, and that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And, and you see how uh, Brazil uh, a couple of years ago, how they've got stadiums that are just sitting, that they were built for the World Cup, and now they don't they they haven't hosted hosted anything since the World Cup. So um, I, I just I, I don't I don't know what the end game will be, but you'd like to see a little bit of change in how these international organizations uh, do business. Uh, because if you remember, you know when the U.S. hosts the World Cup, uh, we've already got stadiums in place uh, that with just a few slight alterations can host. Soccer games, you know, RFK Stadium uh, was a site. Uh, I believe they used uh, Georgia Sanford Stadium and, and Soldier Field. There's a lot of uh, stadiums they can already use, so it's not as if we've got to build brand new uh, arenas. And, and England is the same way. A lot of European countries. So uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what the end game is going to be with FIFA, what kind of changes uh, they make. Uh, but I do think it's interesting that the U.S., uh, a country where international football <laughs> is not exactly the the top of the food chain, that they were, you know, the uh, kind of instigators of this whole situation with FIFA. Yeah, and I, I was listening to, I guess it was last week when, you know, all the arrests were made and, and uh, with the executives and all those guys, uh, and I think it was Scott Van Pelt, SVP in Asilo, and he was just kind of finding it all amusing from <laughs> listening to Seth Blatter. When, well, he was he was playing clips from Seth Blatter when he still won or whatever, and he was you know he had Seth's audio. I am president of everybody, and you know despite all this chaos and things falling apart around him, like you said, until somebody got to him to make him turn or somebody got to someone else that turned on him or, or however it all shook out. And he was still just acting like everything was cool. I'm the president. I won, you know, go FIFA. And it, it's, it was. It's just a big joke. And he, he was laughing at it, and it was just funny because uh, it was just – and you know, me being a Braves fan, like you said, building these arenas and venues for basically one-use-only situation, I'm still, you know, not really 100% on board with the Braves getting a new baseball stadium here in a couple of years. I still, I mean, Turner Field is cool. It was built, you know, in 96. Built for the Olympics that were there in 96. They started playing there in 97. And now they're already moving, going to Cobb County, you know, outside of Atlanta. I don't fully, I mean, I know it's money and all that, but I still, I'm not really totally down with that. 
and they continued to use Turner Field every year after the Olympics left Atlanta. And like you mentioned, you got these venues that are just going up for the World Cup, and then basically that's it. So, I mean, that's even even weirder and more unusual. Yeah, and, 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 and if you can – if you're going to build something for uh, Olympics and whatnot – or whatever you're building, it's, it's how much use can you get out of it. And I think Atlanta, after the 96 games, did a real good job of, of using uh, the facilities that were built for the Olympics. Uh, but as far as some of these other places, I mean, they're just being built and, and they're sitting there. Uh, I know that building new arenas and that kind of thing. It's a, it's a dicey proposition. I think that uh, when you're living in a locality that, uh, that builds a, an arena, uh, a lot of promises are made about how much the arena is going to bring in uh, economically to the, uh, to the region, that kind of thing. But more often than not, it's just a bad bill of goods. Uh, more often than not, you're just uh, – uh, subsidizing some some rich owners' uh, pockets uh, on the idea that some of the money will flow into the community, and you can see that here in my hometown uh, of, of Louisville with the Yum Center, uh, the revenue hasn't been anywhere near what they predicted, and it's not bringing in, uh, it's, it's not paying for itself uh, right now. Uh, you see the same situation in Cincinnati with Paul Brown Stadium. Uh, it, it's yeah, uh, and these are stadiums that are going to be used continuously. I couldn't imagine if the America was to host the World Cup and and just have all these fancy arenas and just sit there. Uh, so that's 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 pretty crazy to me. Yeah, there's going to be more of. Oh, now that you know he's resigned and, and all that, even though soccer is not that big on our food chain, but the mm-hmm. fact that it's such a huge organization and and all this continues to come out, and it's been such a long running train of scandal, so to speak. So they got to keep uncovering more and more stuff, and we'll keep hearing a little bit uh, news trickle out from it little by little. I think throughout the summer. Yeah, this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's going to be some lower-level people, I think. Uh, they'll find paper trails of uh, of who got paid what. Uh, and, and your red flag has got to be uh, just the way some of these folks lived. Uh, when you look at, you know, FIFA is basically a, a nonprofit, you know, kind of tax-exempt international uh, organization. But you look at some of this, how these guys lived, uh, and I saw that the, one of the executives had an apartment in Trump Tower in New York specifically for his cat. For his what? Gonna, his cat. He had rented out an apartment in Trump Tower in New York City for his cat. Now, yes, that is bizarre, but if you're able to do that and you're working for a nonprofit, what? I mean, that's a red flag in my book. I mean that's that's just a red flag on 
you're doing something wrong. <laughs> so uh, I, I think that when all the details come out, specifically how much money uh, folks made in bribes and how it was spent, uh, you're, you're going to have a lot of uh, a lot of issues. Another thing I thought was interesting in FIFA and why things have been so slow to change is uh, FIFA gives, uh, I don't know, stipends or what it, what it called to, to countries to help subsidize a little bit of their uh, soccer programs. The strange thing is every country gets the same amount. So the United States gets the same as Luxembourg. It's not based on your size or anything like that. It is just here. Everybody gets the same. <laughs> you have to say to yourself, well, that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But if you're one of these smaller countries, why would you rock the boat? If you're getting the same as the, the U.S. is getting, then, then why would you rock the boat? Uh, but I think that what we're seeing here these last couple of weeks is, is enough to uh, get some much-needed change. Yeah, and and it's like, you know, everybody was, you know, profiting from the corruption and living it up, living large. And as often is the case, you just get too too crazy with it. You know, you got all that stuff going on for your uh at Trump Towers. You just you just live in so lavish that you just you get crazy and everybody just gets crazy and everybody gets greedy and everybody just goes overboard and then beans get spilled on everybody involved. Sports, politics, no matter what the case, that's how pretty much every scandal happens. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. You see it with the with the mafia, and, and uh, whenever you see someone someone that has just a regular job, and they're living high on the hog, you can you can you can bet that they're doing something that they shouldn't be doing. Yep, and it's just a matter of time, and then you get a little piece of yarn unraveling, and then the next thing you know. It all just goes up in smoke and, you know, prices have to get paid and, you know, stuff has to be uncovered and investigations ensue and, you know, the story continues. So, uh, yeah, that's our FIFA chat for the week and there might be more (laughs) of that. (laughs) Might be more of that in the weeks ahead. We'll just have to see uh, how the story goes. Um. Got Jeremy sick in about ten minutes. Did you have any soapbox stuff or anything? Are you just looking for the finals? That's the first priority on your list, or, or what's what's the most prominent thing in your radar? Well, uh, I'm, I'm looking at uh, something that ju- I just as I'm checking Twitter during the show here, uh, and Robert Little, Black Sports Online, BSO at BSO on Twitter is saying that Dwayne Wade wants a three-year, $60 million contract from the Miami Heat. And I I don't think he's going to get that. Uh, I know he just opted out of his contract. Uh, I think the Heat are pretty firm in their uh, offer, maybe $10, $11 million uh, per year. But uh, the the problem is Dwayne Wade gave up a lot 
you know, to get Shaq. You know, he took less money uh, on that contract to get Shaq in Miami, took less money than market value to form the big three uh, in Miami with uh, Chris Bosh and, and with LeBron. And now he is looking for uh, a balloon payment, if you will, to make up for what he lost. He is looking for the Heat to pay above market value, and I just don't see the Heat brass doing that. Uh, basically, he wants the, the Kobe Bryant treatment to get those big $20 million paydays when you're into your mid to late 30s, and I just don't see the Heat doing that. Not that he hasn't been a valuable player, but I just don't see the, the Heat being the type of organization like the like the Lakers to, to kind of reward uh, that kind of loyalty. I just don't see them doing that. Uh, it's simply because the, the Heat's attendance has dropped off since LeBron left town. They're no longer as much C as they used to be. But you you chalk that up to the Lakers and the Knicks being in New York and L.A., and even when they're dreadful, which they both are this year, uh, they still have that cachet. You know, no one's turning in their tickets and not going to Madison Square Garden. Spike Lee is still there. You know, you can still see yeah. celebrities and the, the mucky mucks, as my dad used to call them, still there uh, in Madison Square Garden. Same thing in Staples. Jack Nicholson, still there, not as often, but still there. Uh, Denzel Washington, those folks are still there. Uh, and in New York and L.A., you can you can print money. Uh, so you can be a little bit more, I don't want to say cavalier, but you don't have to watch the bottom line as much as a lot of the other franchises do. So uh, Junior Bus has decided that, that Kobe is going to get that $20 million a year payday. Uh and, and I've got no problem with that. I just don't see Dwayne Wade getting that uh, in Miami. Yeah, and and, and uh, Cameron Mills, who was on with us last week, a friend of the show, he uh, he DM'd us an article, and we were chatting about it. Uh, Dan Lebitard's piece about how this could get ugly with the Heat and with D Wade for all those reasons you just mentioned. You know. <clears throat> D Wade sacrificing and, and uh kind of bending over backwards and things like that for the big three to come or taking less money for it all to come together. And and now like you said, the the fans, you know, the the championship is gone, the title contention is gone, so you know, Miami fans are just going back to the living Miami life. Basketball isn't in their core like it is in New York and L.A. with Lakers fans and Knicks fans who just, you know, even if they're going to just be seen in L.A., they still go. But the NBA is just in the fabric of the city more than it is in Miami. Uh, And now I even kind of think, you know, D-Wade really doesn't have a leg to stand on even from a – business standpoint. I mean, he's 33. He's not that old, but um, he's missed like 94, 95 games the last four years. He's only played 70-plus games in five of the 12 years he's been in the league. And now, I mean, you're, you're, 
you're kind of at the end of the prime, if so to speak. It's gonna be, you're gonna be hitting that downward slope of the career. So I mean, like you said, the Heat, from a business standpoint, even if they maybe wanted to kind of reimburse some type of way, they might not be inclined to do so. And, and this is when I tell, when I see folks in contract negotiations, make the money when you can. Because yeah. if you're waiting on the teams to, quote, unquote, make it right, that never, ever happens. You know, particularly in football with the contracts not being guaranteed, make that money. I mean, honestly, you, you've got that short window, make your money. Because uh, you, you never know. And Dwayne Wade, he's got a lot of mileage. Uh, when you when you say, you know, with, with kids getting into the league – Younger and younger, you know, when you say at age, it really doesn't have a, a huge meaning. But Dwayne Wade's played a lot of minutes. He's played a lot of minutes deep into the playoffs. And and you got to remember that in the couple of years before Shaq got there in Miami, he was, he was killing himself to get a mediocre Miami team into the playoffs. You know, there are a lot of 42 and 40, a lot of 43-win teams but he was literally dragging into the playoffs. And the same thing when Shaq left before the big three. So he got a lot of mileage being the man uh, on some pretty mediocre Miami teams. Uh, and no one knows that more than the, the brain trust there in Miami. So uh, I don't think it's going to end well. It's going to be odd if he ends up in another uh, uniform. But, you know, we've seen this song and dance before. You know, it, it's 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 nice to have a, a a player stay in one place his whole career, but it's really that's not the way it works anymore. I, outside of of Kobe, I, I can't think of a, a current player in any sport that's going to do that. I mean, you, you look uh, Peyton Manning uh, still looks odd in that Denver orange, and. Uh, it's just one of those things you have to get used to, uh, you know. If he ends up on a on a different uh, different squad, yeah. And even even last year with them making the finals run, you know, leading up to the playoffs, look how much time we missed to where you know trying to save him, trying to get him right. Uh, you know, all this, that, and the other to where he could even, you know, be out on the floor. And, you know, like he's not getting any younger. Father Tom is undefeated, the old cliche. So, I mean, it just is probably going to end with some kind of parting ways or or something because I mean, he'll he'll go somewhere and finish it out and, and look weird just like, you know, Patrick Ewing in Orlando and Seattle and, you know, even my man Hakeem Olajuwon in Toronto, stuff like that. It's just yeah. it's just irreconcilable differences at this point for between Miami and Wade the way it looks, unless something surprising happens. Yeah, uh, but, it you know, business uh, is business, so I, I don't fault these guys for making as much money as they can. One thing that I do find interesting when it comes to players' contracts and that kind of thing, uh, for the most part, most fans 
for whatever reason, usually end up siding with management. They, for whatever reason, get on the side of the of the billionaires and not the players. What's going to be interesting is when the NBA contract is up, and I think the union will uh, opt out after, uh, next summer, after next season. Uh, Billy Hunter is out as leader of the union, and I can't remember the woman's name that took over for him right now. I'm going to have to look that up. But from what I'm Michelle, reading, she's going to be a Michelle, Michelle something. Yeah, she is, I want to say yeah, Robinson. She is, yeah, she's going to be a lot more aggressive in the negotiations with the league uh, because I didn't catch this during the last round of negotiations, but the split of the of basketball-related revenue, it was 57% for the players, 43% for the uh, owners, but since then it's been 50-50. And why that makes a big difference is now that it's 50-50 and these owners, a lot of the owners own the teams and own the arenas that they play in, with some fancy kind of uh, accounting work, they can make their basketball uh, revenue look awfully small. So that pie gets smaller. So basically what the players are getting is getting smaller instead of larger, even though the league's revenue is going up. Now, I don't think that Adam Silver and the owners are going to cry that, you know, a third or a half of the teams are losing money, not when the Clippers sold for $2 billion. You can't cry <laughs> right. that anymore. So I think it's going to be interesting the next round of negotiations, especially because there's a clause where the uh, union can go and get the books of five random teams and, and look, at it, look at their numbers with their own accountants. It's going to be interesting to, to see how some of these owners move the money around to kind of downplay the money they're making. Uh, because, like I said, with the Clippers making $2 billion, and there's, there's always a line of people wanting to buy a team. And if, if owning a sports franchise, particularly in the NBA, was such a financial disaster, why would these billionaires be tripping over themselves to own a team? You yeah, know, exactly. Mark Cuban, is, 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 he's made his money, you know, on the Internet. He's not going to be stupid enough to, to purchase something that's going to just hemorrhage money. I don't buy that. Yeah. You know, Paul Allen in, in uh, uh, Portland, I don't, I don't buy that. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this round of negotiations. Uh, I think next year when the NBA union opts out of their contract. Absolutely. And we now have our first guest on the line, a man of many hats coming to us from Kansas City, Missouri. He is the sales manager at the SOC 101. We're going to definitely talk some SOC game, being your SOC aficionado yourself, Terry. Uh, business development at Nail Luxury US. He is the creator of Sports Blog RT, Quick Takes 360, owner of A Plus KC Metro, and being from Kansas City, he's a Chief Royals Mizzou fan as well. We are talking with Jeremy Sickle. Jeremy, you're on Cast Talk with Vinny and Terry. Appreciate you joining us tonight. How you doing, sir? Pretty good, guys. Thanks for having me on. I haven't done this for a while, so it's 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 kind of refreshing to get back in here and uh. Talk to some other sports fans on the radio, actually. 
Man, <laughs> we thank you for we coming appreciate on. You. Yes, sir. Definitely appreciate you taking the time to to hop on with us. And like I said, you being right there in in Kansas City, um, we're of course you know Kentucky fans. That's what our show is. You know the foundation of the show. But we branch out NFL, NBA, MLB, and it's cool getting guys on from various different cities to get the vibe of what's going on with those particular teams, you know, in that particular town. So that's kind of why we wanted to get you on. Uh, the Royals are back again strong this year after, you know, finishing strong last year. Want to get your thoughts on them and, and just what it's like out there and background on yourself and all those interesting things that you were into that I mentioned in the intro. So you can just start anywhere you want to, man. Well, just to hit on your point with the Royals, it's kind of it's kind of crazy because they nobody knew who the Royals were. Well, they knew who the Royals were, but nobody paid attention to the Royals out here in the in the middle of the country. Yet last year they sort of jumped onto the national scene, sort of America's America's team. They took that crown um, and ran with it, and then this season it's just sort of snowballed uh, the success anyway. Into, into another successful run so far this season anyway. And it, it, it's kind of neat to see how um, Kansas City has, has I don't want to say transformed, but it's cool just to see how the nation now views uh, Kansas City as not only a baseball town, but potentially a sports town with the success of, of the Chiefs recently, um, you know, a couple winning seasons and getting into the playoffs again. So it's just kind of nice to see them the middle of the map uh, getting a little respect now. Are you a lifelong Kansas City resident, born and raised there, lifelong Royals fan? Yeah, yeah, I was uh, I, I was in 81, so I don't really remember the uh the 85 World Series. My um my experience with the Royals is the entire like 1990s early 2000s just technically the, one of the worst teams in baseball and, and the Chiefs obviously haven't had a lot of playoff experience or playoff um success. Um, since the early 90s, too. So so we've sort of just been down, forgotten as a, as a sports city, but we're back. Absolutely, absolutely. And like uh, like you say, when you thought about the Royals before the World Series run last year, uh, the um, George Brett Pontar thing comes up, and I was like five when that happened, but I've just yeah. seen the clip so many times, it's just burned into your mind. <laughs> him just bursting out of the dugout against the Yankees. And the other thing, which is one of my all-time favorite rants, was the Hal McCray deal where he just oh, went yeah. crazy in the, in, the, in the clubhouse. And those those are the two things that maybe kind of epitomize the role to me. So I know you guys especially are glad to be able to change perceptions. Well, yeah, not not only uh, those two moments, but um, – it, it, it's the the doldrums of being um, or, or, or of being a fan of a sports team that doesn't have a lot of success is it, it, it takes a toll on you. But um, that Hal McCray rant, I, I don't care how much success the Royals have in the in the immediate future. That's always going to be one of my favorite moments in Royals history. I don't care, I, I don't care how much success they have; they can win two or three straight World Series. That's just classic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and the dude. I mean, first. I've broken it down. I've written about it. I did a little piece on Bleach Report a few years ago about I think I did like twelve different rants. And that was that was my number one. When he takes the phone, the old corded phone and does the pirouette with oh, yeah. it. I mean <laughs> and then when the, the media members are filing out and the one dude has like blood trickling down his cheek because something hit him. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I mean, honestly, if you're making a short list of the top rants of all time, um, I, I know the name might not be a big name, but it's got to be up there in, in your at least your top five, if, if not your top two or three. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely, because I don't even remember what started it. But with those great rants, it doesn't even matter. It's just yeah. you're just watching a coach, manager, whatever, just just go to town. It could be something oh, big, definitely. something huge, and you're just this is this is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, at a certain point, you don't care what it's about. Just like I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the um, the Braves minor league coach a few years back in baseball that treated yeah. the, um, the the rosin bag as the grenade and just went all around <laughs> the infield just doing all sorts of yeah. crazy. I mean, you don't even have to have watched the game. I mean, I've I've YouTubed that clip at least 20, 25 times just to watch that over and over again. Absolutely. <laughs> now, we, of course, I follow you on Twitter pretty closely, and I, I see you tweeting about the Royals, at uh, Jeremy Sickle on Twitter. And you tweeted out something to the effect about last night's game maybe needing to be under protest. What happened last night uh, as far as the Royals? And I know uh, – well, your pitcher gave up a run, which hasn't happened in forever, too. Yeah, Wade Davis has been a beast, but no, the um, yeah. you know how sports are on this on a, a replay kick, wanting to get a certain calls the right way, and and there was a, a double play opportunity. It was a real close play live, but the replay in in most eyes obviously saw it as as an out rather than the safe call on the field. The guys took seven or eight minutes to to replay this. Um, on the field, you know, calling into New York, um, and they 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 confirmed the call. They called the call safe. They kept kept it safe. And obviously, I mean, I, I would guess if you pulled a hundred people that watched the video that that caught all the slow mos and whatnot, I would imagine ninety five of them would have reversed the call and called them out. And so, I mean, it, that's just me, you know, flying off the handle, protest again, uh, whatever. But um, <laughs> if there's a replay system in, in place. You know, and you take seven to eight minutes to look at it. Obviously, there's some sort of confusion on whether or not the call on the field should stand. So at that point, do you just say, okay, if it's inconclusive, you know, you you keep the call on the field, or do you get the new fresh set of eyes like they, you know, they call in New York and, and just get someone else's opinion? And I just don't see how they could not have reversed that call, and the Royals ultimately ended up losing the game. Uh, is it because of that one call? You know, who knows? There would have been it was still a tie game. More more baseball needed to be played, but you know, it, it at least gives them a chance. Right, right. Well, I definitely knew I wanted uh, to ask you about that because I hadn't uh, gotten to see um, what had actually happened or what went down. But as of now, Kansas City sits. Uh, Percentage points ahead of the Minnesota Twins, who come out of nowhere. Royals twenty nine and twenty, Twins thirty and twenty one, Tigers three back twenty eight and twenty five, and even in Cleveland, you know twenty five and twenty six five back, and Chicago six and a half back twenty three and twenty seven. At the start of the season, Kansas City and Detroit just kind of vaulted out way ahead of everybody. It's a little more, a little bit more bunched up now. But uh, do you think Kansas City will ultimately end up? I mean, still a long way to go. Still end up winning the division, or um, and and if not, who do you see being the biggest threat? I think the Twins will end up um, falling back a little bit. I think the class of the division 
are the Royals and the Tigers. Um, I think the Tigers have the advantage with, with the experience. Uh, obviously, got the offense, but the Royals, I think, might be the most complete team in the division. Um, offense has improved from last year. Now, the starting pitching took a little bit of a hit with James Shields uh, not being re-signed and going out to San Diego. But, I mean, when you, you have arguably the best defense in the game, the best bullpen, um, and an improved offense, and, and, and an average, at least, starting rotation, I don't think there's a real glaring weakness on the team as you can point to the other teams in the division and, and, and really call out a spot where, well, if this starts to slip, who knows where this team ends up. I just think the Royals are the most complete team. Now, that you know, the baseball season's a marathon. There's a lot of games to be played. There's a lot of season left, so... You know, who knows? The Twins started out 1-6, and six and they're now, you know, one of the top teams in baseball. So, you know how baseball is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're speaking with Jeremy Sickle. Uh, Going to talk some sock game. I'm speaking Royals and Chiefs right now. And I maybe misspoke uh, when I said, you know, the George Brett tantrum and the Hal McCray uh, episode. Uh, were the things that maybe stood out to my mind the most about Royals baseball. I, I would be remiss if I didn't stick the feats of one Bo Jackson back in there because I still remember the stuff he used to do when I was 10 or 11. So I, I would be wrong to say that it was just Brett and McCray. I do remember Bo Jackson in a Royals uniform, you know, breaking the bat over his head, climbing the wall, making catches, hitting home runs when it was the Bo Nose day. So I, I got to put that in there to make it right. Oh, yeah, and another one is uh, throwing the ball um, from left field from the track, flat-footed, no no bounce to home plate. I mean, the guy was a tremendous athlete, and I'm sure you guys have seen the the ESPN 30 for 30 on him. Just just amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah, and the thing about Bo Jackson, and, and I remember kind of his heyday, I mean, he, he was just such a freakish athlete, mm-hmm. and I think that documentary did a good job of showing it. I mean, he – it wasn't as if he was just dabbling in football and baseball. He was all pro, admittedly, at both of them. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, when you talk about athletes, I mean, two different disciplines. He just, you know, give him a, give him a week from playing baseball, and he's, he's your best running back in the NFL. That is just freakishly good talent. Oh, definitely. And, um, in the home run he hit to open the All Star game back in 1989 was <laughs> yeah. in, in, incredible, and, and I know a lot of people knew who Bo Jackson was um, from from his days at Auburn and 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 his early days in baseball and, and football. But that home run I think sort of vaulted him into into, into this category of, of freakish and, and and the wow that we all know him of now. And you know just to see his career get halted from injuries. Um, just a shame because we could have seen we could have been watching one of the all-time greats in, in two sports. Absolutely, absolutely for sure. Now flipping over to the Chiefs, what are the expectations for them coming into this coming football season? Like you mentioned, the, the playoff success hasn't quite been what you guys want, but what is the expectation for this year? Well, I, I think since they brought in the you know, the Andy Reid slash uh, John Dorsey regime, I, th- I think the expectations overall are heightened. Those two come from uh, successful organizations in the, in the Eagles and the Packers and bring that sort of um, attitude, that, that winning um, experience to the organization. 
And, you know, they, they finished 9-7 and seven last year, didn't make the playoffs, but, you know, they had to deal with a lot of injuries, and they had the better, uh, more tough schedule, which I know may be overplayed by some, but you, know, you still got to go play the games, and, and we know who the better teams are in the NFL, and it's all based on how you finished the previous season, and, and it carries over. But I just think that the the pedigree um, now, it's different. Uh, when, the, when Herm Edwards was around and when – um, Romeo Cornell was was the head coach, and Todd Hayden. There really wasn't that winning um, spirit, that winning attitude. Like that's that's the only thing that matters. And I think now what this um, what this regime has done is is put a lot of the pieces in place to be successful for a very long time. And uh, I think what they did in this year's draft, they they plugged some holes. They brought in some big, you know, some 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 decent names. Uh, Marcus Peters was arguably the the top corner in the draft. Had the trouble at Washington, but you know he he's going to come in and be an impact player right away, and I think the other holes that they filled, I just think overall, the floor of of this team has raised, and and, and in the years past, you know you could have seen the floor at three thirteen, four and twelve, but I think now they've they've legitimized themselves as one of the one of the players in the NFL, and and I think that could be like that for a very long time. You mentioned putting pieces in place to be successful. So it's kind of similar to what the Royals have done. They got a lot of young guys there. And I'm just going to flip back to the Royals real quick because I forgot to ask this before I went to the Chiefs. With them kind of getting all their ducks in a row and they're contending again for a second straight year, what if, if you could maybe put your finger on it, because the Royals and Kansas City being a baseball town, what took so long for them to get back? Was it ownership? Was it bad draft picks? Was it what What made them getting good again so elusive? I know the whole small market thing in the MLB as well. If you had to just name some things that took that made it so hard for the Royals to get back to contention, what would you say? Well, you know in baseball there's, there's no cap um, if, you could be the Yankees and go out and buy, um, you know, they've been teased going out and buying championships. The Dodgers have spent a lot of money recently. Um, so what the Royals needed to do was they needed to, like you mentioned, put pieces in place. And, and the way baseball works, it isn't necessarily an immediate impact sport. Like you get drafted in basketball, you can go, you, you can come right in and make an immediate impact. Same in football at certain positions, but with baseball it's a process. You know they've got all the minor league levels. Um, it's a, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not saying it's a tougher game to to play, but in terms of all the nuances and 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 you know what the game itself represents, there's just steps that you need to follow and and you need to prove yourself at all the different levels. And I think the last three seasons, because they finished 86 and 76 in 2013, so it's really been. Um, this is the third season now where they've really positioned themselves as one of the better teams in the league. So I, I think um, what Dayton Moore has always harped on is the process. And I think that process has finally started to kick in where these guys have played together for four, five, six years now, and, and they're finally all starting to get it. And when that happens all at the same time, it, it can be really special. Talking with Jeremy Sickle, sales manager of SOC 101, creative sports blog RT. Let's flip on over to that sock game because Terry, Terry Brown, is a sock dude. He will tweet out pictures of socks. He will Instagram some socks. <laughs> I actually tweeted him the link to your website a few weeks ago because 
I was like, wow, this okay, Terry's got to see this. So let's just talk socks. Let us tell us about it. Y'all talk about it. Let's let's just jump into some sock talk. <laughs> well, you wouldn't you wouldn't think it's serious until you actually get down with the numbers. Like we get we get in pretty big with numbers on the business side and um, just socks projected by 2018 to like a 25.9 billion. That's billion with a B dollar industry. So socks socks are big game now. Um, and, and some people say socks are the new tie. Um, when you're at a place that sort of harps on um, being expressive with your wardrobe, socks are kind of the kind of the thing that you can help yourself stick out with. So um, I started with socks back in um, March of last year, and I was in banking for 10-plus years. And, and when I told people what I would be doing with my new job, they sort of laughed. And, I'm, you know, I told them, hey, I had the same reaction when I was giving up this comfort, not necessarily great money, you know, being with being with the company for ten ten plus years, you sort of um, you build a, a comfort zone, and I gave all that up and, and became the sales manager with Sock One Hundred One. I haven't looked back. It's been great, man. The flexibility, the the growth of the industry, the growth of the company, because I got in pretty early, and it, it's just been phenomenal. It's crazy to see people get so excited about socks. <laughs> no, I, I, I you read? understand that. <laughs> and actually, I. I... <laughs> I ordered a pair of socks from Socks 101, the mm-hmm. uh, mental health awareness that's been yep. a, a call of mine, uh, and, and a friend turned me on to those, I think, at the end of April, beginning of May, because May is yep. Mental Health Awareness Month, and mm-hmm. uh, he bought a pair, and then I bought a pair of the green uh, with the green ribbon. So uh, it's, it's nice to have socks with a cause as well. Oh, definitely. Uh, for, for me... Uh, my, she's now six year old. Uh, we used to go to Target every Sunday, okay. just the two of us, little daddy daughter time. And Target mm-hmm. had all these crazy socks. And she said, "Well, <laughs> daddy, you need to get these socks." And I'm like, you know, because uh, I was in banking for a long time, so it, you know, you, your navy suit, your black suit, your white shirt. Yep. So I said, okay, you know, uh, people only see your socks if you want them to, that kind of thing. But now I've got uh, two drawers in my room <laughs> full of socks, and uh, basically I let her pick out my socks every day. It's become a thing with us yep. in these socks. I've been getting socks for holidays and all that kind of stuff, and, and now I'm going out and looking at sites uh, uh, and getting socks online as well. So uh, well, you, for me it's just you, you, a little bit of expression. Well, you've obviously been on our site. You've noticed we have a Sock of the Month club, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to have to break down and do that. So, <laughs> uh, Vinny, if you're keeping track, uh, I'm, uh, you know, with my cat collection uh, through Liz, and now I'm going to join the Sock of the Month club. So those are where my passions are, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy to have both of y'all on here talking about it and because – Hey, I'm just sitting here listening and learning. I've been to the site. Like I said, I tweeted to TV. I had to go back on there and check um, and maybe accentuate a suit a little bit more um, creatively than I have in the past. I, I, I tell you, it, it's, it's become a thing. Even if, now, you know, there's, you know, for like funerals and serious things, I don't. But for the most part, I've got I've got the craziest socks on. And and it's just a 
another way to e- express yourself. And if it's for a cause, even even better. Uh, that's what I liked about those green socks because, like I said, that's that's something near and dear to me. So that was a way I could incorporate that into my wardrobe. So uh, I can see where socks are taking off since – I've been wearing crazy socks. I've just kind of seen more and more people getting involved in it. There's a uh, there's and, a funny story about our sock of the month club. When we, when we first started it, um, it's probably like the second month in. We got an email uh, through our just our our standard info at sock101.com. We got an email from a young woman that said she needed to cancel her sock of the month subscription that she bought the night before. Well, apparently, she had been drinking by herself in her apartment. Bought her neighbor the sock of the month club as a gift and then reassessed the situation the next morning and thought that it was too creepy for her neighbor to start receiving socks gifted from her without him knowing. So she called or she, so she emailed to cancel the order <laughs> before a sock was sent out in her name to her neighbor. <laughs> so that's not that's sort of a little bit different that, than borrowing a cup of sugar. Yeah, well, 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 totally different. I mean, and in my opinion, I would have let it go a couple months just to see if it sparked some conversation. You know, she could end up marrying that guy, but no, she decided to uh, to cancel it before he got a pair of socks and, and wondered who the heck this crazy chick was living next to him. <laughs> I would, I would have loved a gift, but you know, that's that's me. Right, unbelievable. Um, speak about your um. Sports Blog RT as well that you created um, for helping uh, sports writers and podcasters uh, and their listeners. Just tell us a little bit about that as well. Well, um, me and a buddy of mine, we started our own website back in 2011, and you guys know in the in the radio game and the podcasting game how difficult it is to build a following, a regular following, um, and to get people to listen and read what you have to say. Well, the idea behind Sports Blog RT was to build a community of, of like individuals in that same realm um, to help each other out, to, to network, to, to read each other's posts, to, to, to help each other out in terms of um, you can do this better, you can do that better, or to get tips from each other. And it's sort of grown into this, you know, pretty good-sized community. I mean, you, you guys know how hard it is to, to build a Twitter following as well. And it's, it's 5,500 followers deep now of, of people in that same situation. And I've just had people uh, direct message me and, and, and talk to me on the side about how much it's helped them um, follow the industry, learn from others, network, get jobs, um, gain a, a solid, uh, strong following themselves. So I, I think it served its purpose. I would think so. I I haven't um... – when I tweet out articles or something like that, and all you have to do is put at SportsBlogRT, you know, somewhere within the tweet, and uh, I've put it on some of my articles here and there, and, I mean, you guys retweet them out that I wouldn't have, you know, been able to get to. And uh, so it's definitely, uh, definitely served its purpose. It's definitely beneficial. Um, now, I know is it for just articles strictly. Sometimes I've done it for this show. Like if this show's on, tweet it out. And I don't know if you tweet that, or is it just specifically for articles, or the podcast well, as well too? Um, well, right now it's automated, and basically all you have to do is follow the account, um, include at Sports Blog RT, 
and um, a link. And so if okay. you just – it could be a link to your stuff. It could be a link to something that you want seen. But typically it's for you having written something or you having um, broadcasted something. So it should work with it should work with on Blog Talk or any other podcast too. So it's basically any link at Sports Blog RT and the follow. So that that's pretty much okay. how it works. Okay. I probably need to follow it for the show then. I'm following it personally. I need to follow it with our Cats Talk show account as well. It's probably an oversight. Um, one final question from me. I don't know if TB has something else or not, but I'm going to sound totally like a tourist, which is okay, which is why I'm asking you because I've been to a lot of cities. Kansas City is a city I have not been to. Uh, and we've done this with other guys that we've had on as well. Uh, we've had some guys from Philly on at different points in times. But, you know, Kansas City's famous for barbecue. We also like to talk food on the show, as you're about to find out with this question I'm about <laughs> to ask you. <laughs> um, Kansas City, well known for the barbecue. And I'm going to just throw out two places that I am have heard of as a tourist and, you know, I'm going to ask you which one is better, and you may totally tell me that neither one of these two are on your radar and direct me to someplace else. But Kansas City, Bryant's Barbecue, Gates Barbecue, are those the two top dogs? Or in your opinion, do they not even resonate with you? And is there somewhere, a place else you would tell me to go if I hit downtown Kansas City right now? Well, those are two of the four. Um that people always talk about and, and should go to when they're in Kansas city. Um, and now it's difficult for me to tell you to only pick two. So when you come, you got to go to all four of these places. So you, you, you got Brian's right. You got Gates, right. There's formerly Oklahoma Joe's. Now it's called Joe's Kansas city barbecue. It's in a gas station building. Okay. And it's been renowned. It's been renowned as, the best barbecue in the country. There's a sandwich there called the Z-Man. That's what you have to get. And you also have to go to Jack Stack on the plaza. So there's Jack Stack, Joe's Kansas City, Gates, and Brian's. Those are the four you got to go to. Sounds good. I I just, which, you know, my wife and I watch the, the different food shows and, you know, like cooking different types of stuff. And we're in mm-hmm. different places, like trying to, you know, hit places we've seen or heard about. So once we make that Kansas City run, you know I'm going to take you up on all of that and try out those different places for sure. Definitely. And um, this is just going to be a quick shout-out to a friend of mine. But when you go to Bryant's, it's just down the road from the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Bob Kendrick's the president there, me and him. We talk regularly probably every couple of weeks about different things. But you got to go right down the street and towards um, 18th and Vine and, and visit the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. It's 8 bucks to get in, and it's it's, it's a – probably the coolest place you're ever going to see. I've been following him on Twitter for a while. I was going to try to contact him and have him on and talk a little Kansas City stuff like you at some point throughout the summer. I definitely appreciate that, and I'd I'd love to have him on our little show at some point on a Wednesday evening if it works for his schedule. He's um, he's a busy dude, but he's really receptive about – going on with, with, with whoever. Like, the re, the way I met him was when we started our own show with Pop Fly Boys back back in 2011. He was one of our first guests, and um, 
he um he, like I said, he's real open to coming on now. Now finding time to do that, he'll work with you and, and and help you out. But he's real receptive to coming on and whatnot. So I, I don't think he would um I, I don't think he'd turn you down. And he's real good about um being on Twitter and, and responding to people. So I just shoot him a message to see if he's see if he's interested. Hey man, sounds good, man. Jeremy, thanks so much for for hopping on and spending time with us to talk all things Kansas City and sock game. And I hey, one more question, I swear, and this is it. Would have been the NBA when I know the Sacramento Kings used to be in Kansas City. When they left, was everybody upset, or was it that they just never really kind of took off there? What was the vibe? I know we were all young. I'm sure you've heard stories. Was it people that wished they were still there, or did it just not fit? How is, how did that go down real quick? Well, here's the thing, and people are going to tell you that they were upset and, and wished that they still had the Kings around. But if that was the case, the Kings, I mean, we'd still have a basketball team here. And so it's it's one of those things, I guess, you know, you don't know what you got till it's gone sort of thing. But I think now Kansas City could support a basketball team or even an NHL team got Sprint Center downtown, um, a little bit more heightened um, sports craze with, with the recent success of the Royals and, and, and maybe even the Chiefs and Sporting KC, the soccer team here too. So I think the, I think the, the city itself could support another professional team. But, yeah, back then, I mean, it, it's one of those things, like they, they tell you they were upset, but if that's the case, then they would have never left. So. Sounds good. Well, there you have it. Thanks for enlightening us on all things KC and – taking the time to hop on our show. We'd love to have you on again sometime, Jeremy. Sure, let me know. It was a good time. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks hey, for coming on. It, man. Jeremy Sickle, creator of the Sock Game Sports Blog RT, and a host of other uh, different venues and entities and interests and endeavors. Uh, cool to talk, KC. Cool to listen to you and him talk socks, because y'all both know what you're talking about, and that was that was good stuff, man. Well, you know, and, and the thing is, my sock, my sock game isn't new. Uh, I've kind of been doing different socks for a while. Uh, back in high school, uh, I wrestled, and our colors were red. You gold, did, but boy, we—I did yeah. not know that. Yes, yes, I, I'll oh. find a picture of it for you. But yeah, I did wrestle in high school. Our colors were red and gold. Uh, but I would always manage to wear, like, blue socks or green socks, something. Uh, it was always a way to stand out and be a little bit different. Uh, I've always been known to kind of have the, the knee-high socks. Don't do that as much as I used to, but uh, socks for me has always been a way where you can uh, you can express yourself without doing anything too wild and crazy uh, with your outfit. So uh, I've been a sock guy for a long time. That is good stuff. Look, let's uh, pick all this back up in hour two. We got Matt May, of course, at 7.15 with Jan Pack. We got NBA Finals talk. We got Steph Curry. We got LeBron James. Uh, just found out TB Russell, so we'll talk about that in the second hour. Plenty of more to come on Cats Talk with Vinny and Terry on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network on blogtalkradio.com. We'll be back in about three minutes or so, y'all.
Welcome back to Cats Talk with Vinny and Terry on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. Another great Wednesday evening. Hour 2 is on tap. Matt May is coming shortly. In the end of Hour 1, we just found out that our man Terry T.B. Diddy Brown used to wrestle. So uh, what, what class, what weight, all of that, man, how did, how did it just, just enlighten us a little bit, because, see, we, we had no idea. <laughs> well, I, I just tweeted out a picture uh, of myself. I believe it was my freshman year. Uh, I was I was 103, 103 pounds uh, at that point, but uh, I was barely the minimum. You have to be at least 88 pounds. In my freshman year, I was not, I was not that. So a lot of people, who, uh, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with wrestling, have to cut weight to make weight, but I had to eat. I was on the Walter McCarty kind of thing where I was eating everything and, and everything just to make uh, the bare minimum. Uh, <laughs> and, and for me, it was I, was I was not able to make the basketball team my freshman year because I was tiny, and uh, I bore a striking resemblance to Steve Urkel of Family Matters fame. So I was this tiny kid with uh, big glasses that, uh, uh, you know, wore suspenders, and uh, I was kind of a nerd, uh, but I was able to kind of get a hold of, of wrestling. That was my That was my thing. And, uh, I mean, I was not uh, the best, but I was able to, you know, as a senior, I was able to hold my own and, and do some things. So I'm I'm very proud uh, of that because uh, as far as wrestling goes, you're, you're on a team, so there's still that team concept. But your success or your failure, it, it's really on you because it's just you and your opponent in the ring, and it is – it, it's as much mental uh, as it is physical. Uh, I was never a, a physical specimen, but I always prided myself on outthinking uh, my opponent. So uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, you know, uh, it was one of the highlights of my high school uh, career. And this would be. Um... Man, my fault. Man, the school. I'm blanking on the high school. I'm oh, blanking Seneca, on your high school. Seneca, yeah. yes. Seneca. And oh. uh, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, uh, we were pretty decent uh, as a team overall. But, of course, you know, your St. X and your Trinity here in Louisville and, of course, Woodford County and, and Hoptown was real good uh, way back. Uh, in those days, so uh, a lot of our competitions, we had to go out, you know, out into the state and compete. So uh, I just, I, I really, really in, enjoyed that. So were you able to sometimes take out a little aggression, pent-up aggression? I mean, even though you still had to think and be tactical and disciplined and strategic, did you still sometimes well, unleash a, a, a little bit? Of, yeah, a couple of stories about that. My mom, number one, n- number one, never came to see me wrestle, not once in high school, mm. except she accidentally saw me 
one time, uh, and I can't remember exactly what tournament it was, but she saw it by accident. We'd given her the wrong time. She was coming to meet us, whatever. So one time, my mom is in the stands, and uh, I went to Sinka, lived in Fern Creek. I was actually arrested a kid from Fern Creek that lived around the corner from me, and we didn't like each other. I mean, that you know, you know, you just don't like some kids. So, so here we are, me against this other kid, and he's just he had been dogging me forever and ever. My mom's in the stands, so we're going at it, and I can't remember what he said. But I literally punched him in the face. I mean, it was, it was a wrestling move called a cross face, but I got penalized for unnecessary roughness. And he was shocked. Everybody was shocked because, like I said, I was mild-mannered. I never wrestled out of control. So it was just a shock to everybody. And my coach said, you know, Brown, what are you doing? I said, I'm not losing, losing to this blankety-blank with my mom in the stands. And, uh, uh, again, I'm not the, the – I wasn't the best, but I beat him like a rented evil. I would take – I was just – I would just – it was very much like that Ali fight, you know, the what's my name fight. Like, I didn't go out to beat him. I just wanted to embarrass him. And I'd take him down. Then I'd, you know, I'd, you know get my points. Then I'd let him go and take him down again to hammer home the point. I am better than you. I am going to beat you. So yes, there are times <laughs> where you got to take out a little bit of aggression on that. And uh, like I said, that was the one match my mom saw. I think it was my sophomore year. And uh, yeah, I, I beat it. I beat the kid pretty good. Is it Anchorman's that Will Ferrell was? I will punch you in the face. Is that what it was? Step <laughs> Brothers, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, but He's just clocking like that. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not losing to you with my mom. And the, no, heck no. And you've been dogging me for years. Heck no, no. <laughs> That's the way. Uh, and that leads to. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I, I say, but to see him with the black eye after that was pretty nice. So. <laughs> that was the gift that kept on giving. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, <laughs> And I don't know if our next guest will be able to have any other stories to add to what you've been telling or not, but uh, we have the media relations manager at Kingman Race Course, Mr. Matt May, on the line now to join us to talk a little Triple Crown in Belmont. Matt, appreciate you joining Cats Talk. How you doing? Doing well. How are you all, fellas? Thank you for Doing good, man. Matt. Thanks for coming on and, and, and talking with us this evening. Absolutely, anytime. Always enjoy it. Anytime I get to uh, um, talk a little trash about T. Brown, I'm, I'm in good shape. See, that's, that's, you, this is a perfect segue. This is a perfect segue because Matt, he just he just disclosed on the show to our listeners that he wrestled in high school. And I don't know if you knew each other back then or not, but do you have anything to confirm or deny or add or subtract to T.B.'s wrestling career at Seneca? <laughs> no, we did not meet until until college, but knowing that and hearing part of the story there at the end now sheds some light on, on his uh, youngest daughter, who I do know his wife and his daughters, why she is uh, quite the handful at times. So now now it's starting to all come together a little bit. Oh, oh yeah, she, she, she's she got a mean streak in her. Uh, 
I can't say that's all for my wife. So yeah, yeah, I, she gets it honest. <laughs> and he, he just told of where he just kind of let all of his discipline go out the window because he was wrestling a kid he didn't like, and he was just throwing punches and bowls. And so yeah, this really adds to the conclusion you've already come to about Little Miss, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely, no question. <laughs> This is all just coming together so perfectly. (laughs) All the attitude and everything, it it makes total sense now. (laughs) Unbelievable. And he tweeted out a picture. So you got to go to Twitter. He tweeted out a wrestling picture in uniform and all full gear. So you got to check that out on at Terry's account or at Cast Talk Wednesday, our Twitter account for the show, man. So. You know, I don't know. Do I really? I don't know that I really want to check out TB in his wrestling outfit. I, I think I could pass on that probably. But uh, it, it was we'll from see. the waist I'm up. Go check the, it, out. it was from the waist up, so you're good. I okay, think. so all right, good. So I, I just wanted to make sure that it, it wasn't going to get flagged for sensitive material or anything on on Twitter as I tried to look at it. <laughs> oh man, hilarious. Any, any thoughts, TB? Any rebuttals? Or are you just ready to move on and talk no, about the triple no, threat? I, I love. I love you guys, and I love how I can uh, kind of give you guys a little bit of a little bit of fodder here. But uh, <laughs> now, Matt, you're you're in the horse racing industry, so here we are, a couple of days out from the Belmont Stakes, and I think it's the the 14th time uh, since we've had a Triple Crown winner. We've got a, a horse that's won the first two legs that is looking to end the drought. Kind of, what are your thoughts on American Pharaoh's chances of, uh, of ending that uh, triple count drought? Yeah, you know, and, and there's been even you know, when you say that. I mean, 1978 was affirmed uh, was the last triple crown winner, and actually, strangely, um, the last two triple crown winners were back to back in '77 and '78 with Seattle Slough and Affirm. So it's been, you know, th- this is 37 years. Uh, I-, I was a couple months old when Affirmed. Uh, accomplish that so as i date myself there i mean it tells you how hard it, it has been uh to do it and and interestingly I mean, there were 97 98 99 and then like 2002 to 2004 and you know, there were a lot in that stretch that got to the belmont some had a more realistic chance than others uh, i think uh, of being able to pull it off uh and i think last year a lot of people really thought that california chrome uh, was going to end up doing it and didn't ran really well in the Belmont, but it's just such a hard thing to do to ask horses, you know, to run the three longest races they've ever run in their life at three years old, which is basically, you know, a teenager uh, in human years and to do so against the best horses uh, of their generation uh, of their age uh, and to do it in five weeks. I mean, it's just, it is such a difficult thing to do uh, especially now where uh, U.S. breeding is more towards speed than it is towards stamina and endurance. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the way that that, that many thoroughbreds are, are bred now. So I think it may, all of those things going together uh, makes it just an incredibly difficult thing to do. And uh, that said, uh, if there is a horse that seems like he has uh, all the pieces to be able to pull it off, uh, from everything I can gather and people who are way smarter in the industry than I am uh, and people who have been around a long time all seem to agree that uh, he may have the most legitimate chance, uh, in, in uh, at least in, in the groupings that, that I know of going back to the late 90s 
uh, and all the ones that we've had since then. So I think Big Brown was another one they thought had a, had a realistic chance, uh, but there were some things that maybe uh, didn't really fit the profile. It seems like American Pharaoh, uh, to steal a phrase from uh, most sports and general managers and all that now, he seems to tick all the boxes. We'll find out in a few days. Uh, but horse racing needs it. It would be fantastic to see. Uh, he's kind of captured the imagination a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I would love to see one. Not every year because then it kind of devalues, I think, what the, um, you know, what the accomplishment is. Uh, but I think we've got to the point where horse racing could really use it. Now, will you folks at Keeneland, you'll be showing the, the Belmont. Is that correct? Where folks can come out and watch it? Yeah, absolutely. We will, and it'll be very similar to what we do on Derby Day, um, where we'll have uh, pretty much you can come out, you can picnic, you can be in the in the walking ring, you can be in the paddock, uh, bring your own food, uh, bring your own drinks uh, other than alcohol. Um, you know, you can come and hang out, watch it. We'll have it on the big screen, you know, on the on the tote board, video board, on TVs throughout the entire facility. Uh, there'll be a uh, you can register. There'll be a five hundred dollar. Uh, one person will be drawn to place a $500 win bet on whatever horse they choose in the Belmont. Uh, there'll be a big screen TV that's given away, and then there'll be some souvenir packages uh, as well that'll have a $2 win uh, bet from win ticket from Belmont on American Pharaoh souvenir programs, those kinds of things. So uh, last year we had a really nice crowd. You know, we I, I can't remember the exact number. I think it was in the eight eight thousand range thereabouts uh, for California Chrome's uh, run towards. Uh, hopeful triple crown uh, and if the weather is good and it looks like it should be much better than it's been the first part of the week here in Kentucky and in Lexington uh, you know then we should have a pretty good crowd and you know I, I think there's you know people want to be people are excited about it and, and people want uh, to see history I, I think whether that's horse racing or baseball or basketball you know you can go back to uh, Kentucky's run for you know trying to uh, to go undefeated and win the national championship this year. You know, yes, there were some people out there that because it's Kentucky, because it was Calipari, weren't necessarily thrilled about it. But I think the general sporting fan, uh, whether it's that or whether it's the Triple Crown and, and racing, um, they want to see history. They want to be able to say, if they're a true sportsman, true sports fan, they want to be able to say, I saw something done that is special. And I think, um, you know, that's where people are at with this. And I think we'll have a big crowd that will come out and try to, you know, be close to the action by being at a place like Keeneland, being at a horse racing facility, uh, you know, with other people who enjoy the sport and want to see the same thing. Uh, it, it's a really neat environment, and it's family-friendly, which I think is cool, too. Well, good. Now, uh, I, for whatever reason, from time to time, I watch uh, Pardon the Interruption, and Mike Wilbon, who's kind of an enemy to a lot of folks here in the bluegrass, uh, has gone out of his way saying that, that horse racing – it's not just dying, it's dead. Uh, and when you see, uh, like I said, we had a pretty a record crowd here in Louisville for the, the Derby this year, and, uh, you know, hopefully there's going to be some record crowds, you know, at Belmont and that kind of thing, and you folks are seeing uh, decent crowds. I mean, do you see it as being, is, is it dying, or do we really need a triple crown winner to kind of infuse the, the sport? Well, I think any sport could use excitement. I mean, it could use more excitement. I think that's the whole the whole purpose of sports is, you know, to be excited, to be entertained, I mean, in my opinion at least. You know, I guess it depends on what you're grading it on. You know, look, I, mean, I don't think it's any secret that uh, back in, 
whether it was turn of century or 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever, whatever decade you want to pull from that point, it was in America. It was baseball, horse racing, and boxing. You know, those were the three, uh, you know, paramount sports that were up above. You know, they were the most popular things. So if you're comparing it against what it, you know, the popularity and what it was during those times, then sure. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's a fair statement to say it's not as popular as it was then. Boxing, you know, certainly isn't near as popular uh, as it was during those times. That said, I don't think you – and maybe maybe there are places out there where racing is not the same as it once was, doesn't draw the crowds that it does. I can promise you, though, anybody that lives in this state and has been around uh, Kentucky at any point in time knows that horse racing is not dead in, in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. And it's not dead uh, in, Flor- in places in Florida where breeding is a huge deal. Uh, South Florida, where Gulfstream has been renovated and is drawing some of the biggest crowds that it's ever had. You know, it's not dead at places like uh, Santa Anita and Del Mar in Southern California or Saratoga uh, in, in New York. I mean, there are places where it is still very popular. I mean, you know, all you have to do is look at our crowds at Keeneland. You know, and part of that is because we've been able to figure out a way, uh, for whatever reason, we have been able to uh, connect with the college crowd uh, and turn it into a social uh, event as well as a racing event. Um, that said, I mean, that's attracted new fans, and I think that's the key to any the lifeblood of any sport is to attract new fans. Horse racing, much like boxing or others, you know, uh, hockey even, uh, could do better, could probably do a better job of attracting new fans. But to say racing is dead, I, I disagree with that, and I don't think that's a fair assessment of the, the sport at large. It's different than it used to be, and it's going to be different moving forward. Uh, but there's too much uh, interest out there and especially in certain places, to, to say that it's dead. Talking with the media relations manager at Keenan Racecourse, Mr. Matt May, and you kind of touched on the questions I had, Matt. You talked about, you know, you, you lean in the camp of wanting to see history no matter what sport it is, and you talked about the sport needing uh, a Triple Crown winner if the sport does get this triple crown winner, whether it be American Pharaoh this weekend or another horse for the next year or two, the infusion, the boost, how long will its effects last? Will it be long-term, short-term? How long, how far reaching will it be if we do get to see that triple crown winner? Yeah, you know, that, that's a difficult, uh, my honest answer is that I, I don't know. And I don't know how, I don't know how you gauge that if that makes any sense. You know, I, I, I think that's um, something that you, you almost have to look back on later and figure out, oh, well, it's sustained for this long. What I can tell you is that it's on TV. You know, bigger races are on TV a lot more. You know, NBC Sports Network uh, is showing more races. Uh, in addition to what NBC Sports, you know, the main, the, the, the parent network shows, um, with Triple Crown and Breeders' Cup and all that. It's showing – you know, lead-up races to it. It's showing Triple Crown, um, you know, prep races. Uh, Fox Sports 1 has really jumped on board uh, as it tries to make a name for itself and is showing races, you know, huge races throughout the summer that are winning your in races uh, all over the world uh, for the Breeders' Cup stuff. Uh, you know, showing races in Dubai, showing races in Europe, showing races all over the United States. So I think, you know, and, and with um, television being the way it is now, you have more options. Uh, you also have more ability to watch things online. 
uh, you know, to listen to uh, to calls from other places. I mean, you can watch races in Hong Kong if you want, or, or watch those races in Dubai at different hours. So there's more avenues to have the product delivered to you, you know. But you have to get the product out there. And yes, there's always going to be people, you know, who are not in favor of, of sport, you know, animals uh, being used as athletes. I understand that that that's part of it. I mean, but I think if any people who watch the sport you know, who watch those horses race. And I hear all the time at Keeneland people who have never been involved in horse racing, have never been to a horse race, you know, don't really know all that much about it, are blown away by the pageantry of it, the power and speed of the animals, the colors of the silks, you know, the way that people get into it, you know, the uh, the way that most races uh, are at least you know somewhat close and have great finishes, and they're really taken with it. So it's just a matter of getting that product out there you would hope uh, that's a long a long way of saying that you would hope that a triple crown winner would maybe deliver it uh more to the masses and give them an opportunity to be swept up in uh, in the sport and in the industry uh than they maybe would be if if you didn't have that out in front of mainstream media i'm kind of in that same i'm i'm definitely one that's wanting to see it i'm definitely one that gets excited each year when a horse wins the first two legs uh, you know, much the same way when we go MLB when Miguel Cabrera finally won the Triple Crown. I, you know, it hadn't happened in our lifetime. I'm all for wanting to see that level of greatness achieved, no matter what sport it is. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think that, as I said earlier, if you're a sports fan, that's what you want to see. It's no different than if you're a fan of film. You want to see great performance, acting performances in, in you know Oscar movies. If you're a fan of music, you want good, you want great music to be made, not this, you know, not this bubblegum stuff that that really isn't great music. I mean, you you want to see the best of the best. Uh, so when you get in those situations, I mean, just like in sports, you want to see uh, those kinds of performances. I mean, that's what we all, uh, that's what we're all in it for, right? I mean, if you weren't a fan of it, then uh, you know, history means something. I think when and great performances mean something, no matter what it is. And this is just a, a sports version, the horse racing version uh, of that type of performance. You hope uh, come Saturday. Now, you know, kind of following up with that, uh, you and I watched the the final four game uh, together almost we did. two months ago, and. <laughs> I just remember watching that game, and, 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 you know, we were the whole Big Blue Nation with anticipating the coronation of that. Are you still over that game? Like, are we ready to kind of start looking toward 2016, or is this one, is this loss going to be one of those losses that lingers? My guess, uh, you know, I'm one of those that is always kind of, okay, you know, it's time to move ahead. My guess is that a lot of the way that people will feel about how last year ended will be dictated by how 2000, you know, next season, uh, how they, how that team starts, how that team comes together. If that team plays well, uh, you know, and it's fun to watch, uh, they're obviously not going to be 38 and one or, you know, probably anywhere close to that. I don't think they have that type of team, uh, but there's no reason that, it, you know, they couldn't, they can't be very good. Uh, and if they're, if they give, if they play well, uh, are fun to watch. I think, 
you'll see people get over it a lot faster. If that team really struggles, and especially early, and you know, kind of like the the 2012-13 team that just never seemed to kind of you know never seemed to really you know, get it together and didn't really seem on the same page for most of the year, uh, then that loss probably you know the loss in the final four last year probably lingers a lot a lot longer in my estimation. That would be my guess on how people will react to it. And if football plays well, then you know, I think leading into the basketball season, and that certainly helps as well. Uh, you know, if football gives uh, some ability to be able to kind of, you know, move forward and have something to cheer about. I think that this coming basketball season will kind of be like the 2011 team that will pleasantly surprise people. The 2010 loss to West Virginia was one that kind of uh, uh, you didn't really see it coming. It kind of kind of sucked, and then the next year they make a run to the Final Four that you didn't really see coming. I think this year could kind of be like that as far as history repeating itself. This team may pleasantly surprise and cause the memory of disappointment 38-1 to kind of fade a lot quicker than people think it will. Yeah, I don't disagree. And one thing we have seen, you know, by and large, I mean, people are all, there, there's always going to be critics, but what you've seen is that Calipari's teams, you know, usually are playing at their best um, come postseason play. And, uh, you know, that ought to be the goal is to, to build and build and build and then be playing, you know, your best or close to your best ball uh, when it matters most. And uh, if they get to that point, then, you know, it, it'll be fun to watch. That You know, I, I know that it's hard – and I have to remind myself, you know, especially, um, you know, as a huge Giants fan, it's 162 game season in, in baseball. It's sometimes really difficult to uh, look at the large, you know, the journey as a whole, uh, and you know, look at the bigger picture. You know, when there's a game every day or a game, you know, two games a week as it comes to college basketball, uh, and really see, you know, see the forest for the trees type of thing, and. If people are capable of doing that, if they do, you know, if they remind themselves of that, I think next year, you know, they'll be good. And how good remains to be seen. Uh, I'm not sure they have their entire roster yet. Uh, I still think there may be an addition or two. So, you know, let's see where it goes. But uh, try, you know, it's easier said than done. Try to enjoy the ride. Try to enjoy the journey, uh, not just the destination. Speaking of your San Francisco Giants, my Atlanta Braves just left out of there, and I think they're fortunate to get a split of the four games in that series. I will take it and gladly <laughs> leave the Bay Area. Um, your Giants are 30-25, and 25, two and a half behind the hated L.A. Dodgers. Um, they started off a little slow, but uh, they got, is it Pittsburgh? No, that's Philadelphia on the 5th. What are your thoughts right now? You mentioned that it is a journey and it's hard to kind of keep that, you know, in our minds. We want to get impatient too hastily sometimes. 30 and 25, uh, one, you know, things like the World Series every other year, you know, strong team, great manager. What are your thoughts on this year's version of your San Francisco Giants? Yeah, you know, I'll be, I'll, I'll keep it brief, but, uh, you know they started off terribly. They were four and ten. Uh, have really played well to get it back together. Um, had a bad loss on Sunday against the Braves, unfortunately, and that and then caught uh, a really really hot and very very good Pirates team the last couple of days. So they're uh, they've struggled the last few days. 
Um, and, and they typically, the last few years, they've had a, a June swoon. So we'll see if they can uh, figure that out. The Dodgers, obviously, I mean, have tons of money, tons of talent. They're going to be really hard to overtake. But all you want to do is get in the dance. And the Giants have been great about it. You know, if you get in the dance, taking advantage. And uh, I think if anybody that's a baseball fan has watched them, whether you like the Giants or not, you've got to respect the way they play the game uh, and the fact that, uh, you cannot, you know, they're like a cockroach. You cannot kill them. You know, they just keep coming at you and they keep coming at you and they keep coming at you. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. They've got some holes, uh, particularly in the starting rotation. I think they need they need some help there. Uh, but I wouldn't count them out. And if you get them to August or you know, mid-August and they're right in the thick of the wild card race, uh, you know, then I like my chances. I definitely respect your team. I will leave it at that. I agree with you. I don't, I don't. I mean, I'm tired of losing to your team, but I respect your team. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and since you're also a, a Cowboys fan, we can agree forever on that, both of us being Cowboys fans. And more, more often than not, on this show, we'll get a guest on and we'll kind of venture off of whatever the primary topic is for that guest. And it always comes to fruition that they're either a Lakers fan or a 49ers fan. So then, you know, them and TB are just, I'm ready to just choke myself as them and TB form this bond. Since we're a Cowboys fan, now we can double up on TB. What do you think about our Cowboys? Uh, what's the running back situation going to be like? Can we duplicate or at least come close to winning 12 games again? What do you think about this coming season? Because, I mean, it surprised the heck out of me going 12 and 4 last year. Yeah, certainly. I don't think anybody saw that coming. I think they'll be fine in running back. The offensive line, barring injuries, you know, that's all, knock on wood, that's always the thing you can't control in football, especially. Um, the offensive line is so good, um, you know, that they'll be at least uh, serviceable uh, in the running game or, you know, with the backs that they have. Uh, you know, it's always it's always on defense. You know, they were able to – last year they weren't great defensively, but they, uh, they caused some turnovers. Uh, they made some stops when they absolutely had to. They won some games close. You know, they're probably going to have to do that again. They're probably going to have to win games 28-24, 31-27, that type of thing. Uh, the schedule, at least on paper, looks like it'll be more difficult because of the way the NFL sets it up. Uh, and you play teams at the year before where, you know, you finish first in the division, you're playing teams that finish first in the division. So, uh, you know, it's, it's always difficult to say. But, uh, you know, I, I don't see any reason that they can't get back to 10 wins. And if you get to 10 wins, you've got a chance to get into the playoffs. And, again, from there, you, know, you never know. Um, so you get in the dance and uh, you, you see you see how far it goes. You see if somebody, you know, if your partner uh, matches up and you're the last two standing as you get to the Super Bowl and then it's one game for, uh, for all the glory. And we saw at the end of the, the Super Bowl last year, you know, when you think you've got it figured out and you think a team's got it won, you know, anything can happen 30 seconds later and, and on the next play. So, uh, you know, I, I think they'll be good. Uh, I've learned, though, with, with the Cowboys uh, <laughs> that, that you never get too comfortable or too competent, uh, and, and we'll see what happens. So, uh, and, that, and that's a long season, too, especially when it's one game a week and you've got six days in between those games. Uh, you know, they seem to kind of take on a little more life of their own. But, uh, you know, if they stay healthy, then, then I like their chances to be good. Uh, and hopefully that's good enough to get into the playoffs. The the, the comfortable, confident days were were the Troy Emmett Irvin days. You you could get comfortable with those guys. You knew what you're going to get every week. Uh, those that's when you could kind of, as much as possible from an NFL fandom standpoint, you could get comfortable pretty much Sunday to Sunday because you knew what you had. 
they took a lot of the unpredictability out of it with those loaded squads in the early 90s, but not so much that was, this time that was around. That was almost 40 years ago, Vinny. <laughs> that was almost 40 years ago. You got to let that go, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I can't get involved in this one. I, I got to stay out of this one. Oh, well, we, anyway, we're still Cowboys fans. we still two of us and one Terry Brown on the line, so we got him doubled up. Even if you refrain, um, we'll be battling <laughs> it out on Twitter. He'll be taking shots on Twitter, and we'll have to get him again like we did with Jim Matt. You know how it's going to be. <laughs> well, that'll work. I'll just bide my time. <laughs> there you go. Man, appreciate the time, sir, and we're looking forward to this uh, Belmont Stakes to see what American Pharaoh will do. All right, sounds good. And uh, I'm going to go check out that, that sensitive uh, material photo of TB in his old wrestling outfit and see if that thing is fit for Twitter <laughs> or not. Take it and run with it, Matt. Take it and run with it. I might have it. to report it. I might have to report it. <laughs> All right, thanks, Matt. All right, see you, fellas. Take care, Matt. Matt May, media relations manager at Kingland Racecourse. Longtime friend of TB, Terry Diddy Brown. Always fun getting Matt on the show, man. Appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I've got my 20-year high school reunion uh, coming up a little bit later on in the year. and uh, I think it was about my freshman year is when I met Matt. Uh, he was, I think, writing for the uh, Kentucky Colonel, the school paper there at UK, and, and I was working in intramurals. I think that's when our paths first crossed. Uh, so yeah, it's been you know we're looking at 20 years of, uh, of 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 hanging out and everything. So I do appreciate him uh, coming on. Yeah, absolutely, always fun having Matt stop by because uh, we, we talk to horse racing, but we're always going to get it back to UK football, basketball, some kind of way. So it's always good uh, to get his thoughts on whatever's going on at that particular time. We'll catch us one more break. Come back and talk NBA Finals, a little Stanley Cup Finals as well, Blackhawks and Lightning, Cavs and Warriors. We'll talk all that and more as we finish out the show on Cats Talk with Vinny and Terry on the Brandon Hardy Radio Network on blogtalkradio.com. Be back in about three minutes.
BlogTalkRadio.com. Just enjoyed having Matt May on. Talking Belmont, Triple Crown, American Pharaoh, UK Hoops, and a touch of Kentucky football. I'm sure he is having a field day with TB Seneca High Wrestling Tweet. So we'll see what the reaction to that is and look forward to hearing the feedback. <laughs> um. We got, oh, first of all, Matt even talked about some bubblegum music TV. And yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, Taylor Swift was in The Ville. Did you happen to make that show? No. <laughs> A Kurt, no. Uh, but, yeah, you know, he said bubblegum. That made me think of Taylor, who's actually gotten a little better. Then she, I mean, that stuff she did when she first came out a few years ago, goodness gracious, that monotone stuff all sounding the same. But, hey, she's big with the kids and winning Grammys and all that kind of stuff. But, hey, good for her. But I just yeah. wondered if you and Miss TB was trying to make that one, and I figured you weren't. No, no, no. Uh, my oldest, my <laughs> nine-year-old, loves Taylor. Little Miss, uh, who we talked about earlier, who is from the streets. Now she wants to be a DJ and okay. she is more, she, she's my hip hop girl. She will listen to, uh, I'll play some salt and pepper. You know, I'll go uh, with some Dougie fresh. She's all about that versus all right. just the Taylor Swift. So, uh, but the thing about Taylor Swift, and this is uh, when you start talking about awards, I, I think that right now she's won more Grammys than Prince. Even B.B. King we talked about, James Brown. I mean, she's won more than those people combined. So awards, they don't mean a whole lot to me. When you look at the people that have not won and the people that win a lot, is she good? Yeah, and I'm not hating. But Prince is great. You know, when you see Prince on stage at the Grammys or these awards show, you know he can walk out there with a guitar and take over the show anytime he wants to. He's he's that dude when it comes to music. When he comes out, everybody's paying attention. So uh, I I don't get caught up in the awards. But, you know, Taylor Swift, do do you, do you. But, no, I did not uh, go to the concert. 
Yes, I, I agree with you on that. But I don't know where I even saw that or how, but I just saw it be in Louisville, and I knew I meant to ask you <laughs> last week before she came to town if you were going, but I missed it by a week, which caused me to miss her being in Louisville by day because we're all now after her coming to Louisville. But I knew I was going to ask you in and around <laughs> in some kind of way. And the reaction is pretty much what I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm not spending all the for that. Uh, Aretha Franklin is coming to the fair in August. Oh. And her ticket wow. is $50 plus. And I'm like, well, for $50, she needs to come to my house and sing a few songs. Uh <laughs> Because I don't know if I'm a shell out. I, I sound like an old person. Like I don't know if I'm a shell out that kind of money. But she's coming. That's somebody I would actually pay to go see. Um, yeah. At like 72 years old, because she still got it. Yeah. Oh. Aretha Franklin. You know. You know. I don't know if you remember VH1 did those divas special a couple of years ago. Uh, they had like a run, like four or five of them. And Aretha, she's above everybody else. All the other female singers, I, I'm going to say this, that Aretha cannot be touched by any of the other singers, even at 70-plus years old. She, what she does, phenomenal. You can have your Beyonce, even Mariah Carey, whoever, Celine Dion. She, Aretha Franklin is the diva. And if you young folks need to go to iTunes and, and, and YouTube, you check out Aretha. Because when she does it, she does it, and I don't think she can be touched. And I, I'm i pretty sure I remember watching the same diva show that you, you uh, are referring to. I'm pretty sure it it, it might have been Mariah. Somebody came out and did a run. I don't know if, you know, was, was trying to show Aretha up or, you know, you know, try to, you know, uh, take too much of the shine for themselves. <laughs> but Aretha did a run kind of like right back in her face and like flexed her muscle <laughs> as she was doing her thing on the stage, but still kind of like let her know this is this is me right now. I'm I'm the gold standard. Go back and just do do do, do a little backup. I, it, it looked that way. It looked as if she kind of still flexed her muscle within the show on whoever tried to do a little elaborate run. <laughs> that was trying to show out why she was on stage. Now, Aretha is Aretha because she's been doing it for so long. And uh, I can't remember, was it Mariah Carey was on TV for one of those award shows, and she, does, she doesn't quite have it like she used to. The, the high notes aren't quite as strong as they used to be. But Aretha at 72 is as good as Aretha at 22. She is still yeah. able to just knock it out of the park. Yeah, unbelievable, man! I, I was coming to Louisville. That's something else. So I have to keep an eye on where she's at. I'd love to see her at some point in time, for sure. Uh, but yeah, that's our music minute. And uh, wow, coming to Louisville—that'd be something else. Um, to see a legend of that status—that'd be something else. We got. <laughs> Stanley Cup Finals, I think, tonight. NBA Finals tomorrow. I haven't really kept up much with the NHL at all. Um, the Blackhawks are in it, Tampa Bay Lightning. Vince Ferrara, friend of the show, who was on with us uh, from 
Sports Talk show down in Knoxville. I know he's from Tampa Bay. He was giving us all kind of Tampa knowledge when he was on, so I know he's going to be invested in this one. Where are you at as far as the Stanley Cup, and then we'll jump to the NBA after that. Well, I, I think with the with the Stanley Cup, Donna, you're getting one of the original six with Chicago Blackhawks versus one of those weird ones, you know, Tampa Bay. Uh, you don't really think of hockey. But Tampa Bay has got the home ice advantage. But that being said, I'm going to lean with Chicago simply because they've been there, done that. They've got a couple of titles with the same core group of, of, of folks. And uh, I think they'll be able to steal uh, home ice from, from Tampa Bay, if not tonight, then the next game, and, and be able to wrap things up uh, in Chicago. That is my uh, Stanley Cup prediction. And I've, you know, they've just snuck up on me this year. I haven't, I'll usually at least peek at them and know who's going on and keep up a little bit better. But um, just to be contrary, I'm going to go up one of the weirdness. You know, a, a warm weather city, which that won't be a first, you know, because a lot of those northern teams have moved to those warm weather cities anyway. You know, Carolina Hurricanes have made playoff runs and stuff like that before, and they're over there in Raleigh, North Carolina, having a hockey team. But I'll go with Tampa Bay in seven just for the sake of being contrary and we'll see how that plays out with the Stanley Cup. And I'll, I'll, Catch some more highlights now that it is the finals that I have throughout the playoffs. But I, I really missed so much of all the opening rounds and stuff with the NHL this year. Cleveland and Golden State. Does LeBron bring it back to Cleveland, Cuyahoga County, the first title since 1964? Does Steph Curry and the fellas bring the title back? to Oakland for the first time since Rick Barry won one back there in 1975. Either way, you've got two cities that have been waiting a long time. LeBron, of course, has already won some titles, but the whole bring it back for the hometown thing is another little dynamic to the narrative. Uh, he's had Cleveland in the finals before, but that was back when he was young, and they were, you know, they they didn't have a chance against that Spurs squad. I mean, he he carried them there, but that was all he could do. As great as he was as a young buck then, that's all you could expect him to do going up against Duncan, and San Antonio swept him right out of the final. Uh, and now you got, you know, Curry, Thompson, and all those guys doing the same thing for Oakland. They've been waiting a long time as well. Uh, if you've seen us tweeting, we kind of tweeted out our thoughts on it. But what are your thoughts on? what happens starting tomorrow night in the finals at Golden State, who has home court, having the best record in the league? Well, my my prediction is Cavs in six because I think that LeBron is going to give us at least two of those wild games. You know, this is the anniversary of the 92 finals with the, with the Jordan Shrug. Uh, which doesn't seem like it should be that long ago, but it has been. Uh, but I think he's going to give us, LeBron's going to give us one of those iconic performances. On paper, when you look at it, and I, I think you see that uh, the Warriors are deeper, especially on the bench, and probably have better overall talent. But, 
and I'm not sure if we touched on this before, uh, the Cavs believe in LeBron. <clears throat> when you look at Amon Shumpert and you look at J.R. Smith and what they did and did not do in New York, it's, it's like totally different players now that they're playing in Cleveland. Those guys believe, and that's the impact that having a a super a super duper star has on people. <clears throat> they they these guys say if I do my job and push a little bit more, we can win because we've got LeBron. And you kind of see that with these super duper uh, stars. And I don't know if Golden State is quite there yet. I think Steph Curry's phenomenal. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, he's going to be the the face of the league with Anthony Davis in the years to come. Uh, but I don't know if they get over that hump and and and, and get it done. I just think LeBron is, is going to be overwhelming. I think we'll see a big game from J.R. Smith. I think Tristan Thompson uh, underneath. I don't think that the the Warriors match up well with him. So it's going to be fascinating to watch, but I, I think LeBron's going to at least two, maybe three games where he just he's otherworldly, and we see uh, we see him get another ring. And I can't even play contrarian if I wanted to. I'm going to go Cavs in six. Also, uh, nothing against Curry and Thompson. Wrote a piece on Steph Curry the other day for Cameron Mills Radio. Tom, similar to what you said about him being the face of the league with AD, uh, I think Stephen Curry will flip the script back because you hear so much about, oh, the game's all about dunks. Sports Center, all they focus on is dunks. Uh, You know, the fundamentals are gone. Steph Curry, I think, can by himself single-handedly flip it back to shooting the ball as far as young kids just wanting to go and shoot the rock. Uh, because he does with that little flash, that little swagger that can still draw oohs and ahs just as good as any great dunker. Uh, so I, I really believe that. I've been, you know, of course, texting back and forth with his aunt, you know, Jackie from the big show who was, you know, we had Terry Hansen on the big show and all that. And, of course, even with me being a Rockets fan and them going up against Golden State, you know, I had to take my grief from her and all that then as, you know, my Rockets went out in five. As good as they are, they're going to be around for a while, but it's still not quite that time yet. And it's similar from what we talked about last week with Ernest Shepard when he was on. LeBron's just kind of got that look in his eye. You mentioned the fact that we might have two uh, or maybe three, did you see that kind of game? He's He's got a little more edge to him. Uh, we might have even talked about it with Cameron Mills, too. he got a little more of that dog that's probably that's always been in him, but it's coming out. That, that little fierceness, that little edge. We talked about it against the Bulls. He dunked on Joe Kim Noah, and then he's going to let him know about it. Just a little bit of that, I'm on a mission I'm going to take over more. I'm going to be assertive more so than just being the magic type guy of getting everybody else involved. He's, he's, you know, taking it on. Whatever the challenge is, he's going to do it. I think he will do that in this series. Like you said, he, he, it'll just be LeBron refusing to be denied, even though 
on paper, Golden State may have a few more advantages. If you're checking out pros and cons, you might check more boxes for Golden State than you would Cleveland, but you just can't, you know, really factor in that LeBron, you can't stop me factor when you're checking out boxes. I think that will be the case. And like you said, you touched on it perfect as far as J.R. and and Iman Shumpert, the New York fans wish they could have done this good. Half is what they're doing now on a consistent basis while they were in New York. You can throw either one of those guys on Clay Thompson. Uh, You can throw either one of them on Steph Curry, and you still got Irving. Kyrie Irving should be um, a lot better since they had so much time off. Uh, they're long, they're lanky, they can, you know, crowd them and get on them and bother their shots as good as anybody can bother their shots and try to disrupt those guys. Uh, Tristan Thompson has been a beast uh, in this playoffs as well. Um, I think it is going to be Cavs and Six. I think it's going to be a great series, but I'm going to go uh, Cleveland and Six as well just because I think LeBron refuses to – be rejected, refuses to lose. And it's as simple as that. Yeah, I, I think LeBron and our good friend uh, Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News, uh, he wrote a great article about is LeBron the, the greatest? And he talked about how he's been covering LeBron since he was in high school at different camps uh, there in Ohio. My thing, and the Jordan people, the Jordan, let me just say that the Jordan fans, they don't make talking about the NBA fun because you can't appreciate anybody else's greatness without them getting defensive of Jordan and his 6-0 uh, and o, uh, you know, run in the finals. But I, LeBron is starting to get, in that conversation, when you look at teams he's gotten to the finals, the 2007 Cavs had no business being in the finals. When you look at this year's Cavs team with with uh, Kevin Love being out and Kyrie not being 100%, you know, outside of that, what other all-stars is he playing with right now? You know, and when you right. say – you know, Jordan, you know, everybody dogs on Scottie Pippen. He's a top 50 player for a reason. His versatility really helped the Bulls do different things. And I just recently rewatched the Detroit Pistons 30 for 30. And the point was in 1990 when Detroit beat Chicago, Bill Lambeer and those guys said, you know what, we can't beat Jordan but we can take out Scottie Pippen, and they did. And once Pippen got up to speed 91, we see what the Bulls were able to do. Well, LeBron really hasn't had that that Robin to his Batman, if you will. We've already talked about how Dwayne Wade, you know, even last year wasn't quite the same player he had been. Uh, And I don't think Chris Bosh you can put in that elite level. So LeBron is doing a lot. With, with the least, uh, even when he tries to kind of get these super teams, it doesn't quite work out. Uh, but he's a force of nature, and you've got to put him in that conversation 
of becoming one of the all-time greats uh, because he still might have a couple more finals runs in him. And if he gets to, you know, five titles where he's been the main guy, you know, hey, you got to give him something. Yeah, and I'm I'm trying to sit. I'm not one of the Bulls fans that make the NBA not fun to talk about. Uh, and I'm I'm not one that's just going to completely hate on LeBron anymore. I'm trying to be in the middle because the 6-0 in the finals with Jordan the Bulls, that's got to carry weight. That's got to stand for something. But yet what LeBron is doing, passing all of these Hall of Famers, you know, in different uh, statistical categories in the playoffs, uh, the triple doubles, the you know the thirty ten games, everything he's done uh, from that standpoint is carrying weight as well. And a lot of people want to dismiss that, even though he's blowing by all these legends and moving himself on up the all time list. <clears throat> Six and zero in the finals, Jordan. That nobody else has done it. Jordan is the only elite franchise player to be undefeated in the finals. And, I mean, and it's a shame that LeBron will get a knock for in 07 getting there and then not really having a chance to win with the team that he took there. Uh, but, you know, not Russell, not Chamberlain, not Kuzi, not Bird, not Kareem, not Magic, not Oscar Robinson, not David Robinson, not Elijah Wan, not anybody else besides Jordan has went to the finals every single time and won every single time. Everybody else, no matter where you rank them, has finals losses, you know, Bird Magic, all that, Dr. J, everybody. But at the same time, people that still want to just keep pushing LeBron down, that's not right either. So you, you definitely got to give him every single bit of credit that he deserves, um, even though he did, you know, lose 07 and he did lose that one to the Spurs again when he was down in Miami. And he lost to the Mavericks in Miami as well. But um, you still can't put a damper on the greatness that he's, you know, playing with and just playing right before our very eyes. Right. And you can – And you can. my whole thing is with, with basketball, with the different eras, you, you can – I don't want to fall in the trap of saying, okay, this guy is the guy, because every era is a little bit different. I don't think the NBA has seen a force like Wilt Chamberlain's because uh, I think we've touched on this before. Rules were changed to keep him from being as dominant. I, I, I think singularly there hasn't been a force like that. I mean, he averaged 50 points a game over the course of a season, and as a big man, they said he wasn't a good passer, so he decided to lead the league in a fifth. That yeah. counts for something. Bill uh, mm-hmm. Ross, 11 titles in 13 years, you know, one as a player coach. Wow, that's got to count for something. When you look at what LeBron is doing kind of as an all-around game, he's basically Magic Johnson with an offensive game. So he's doing – he can be your stat sheep. What I say about Jordan is I don't think there's been a competitor as focused as him, and that's how he gets to that 6-0. and I think that a lot of people like to forget that back in 96, uh, you know, they lost a couple of times to the Sonics in the finals, and they were double-digit defeats. And statistically, that's his worst 
uh, series, but being the competitor that he is, uh, got his team focused and they, and they end up winning. Uh, my guy, I, I'm not under the delusion that Kobe's the all-time best, but I put him in the conversation because of the difficulty of his shot. That that fadeaway shot where he fades out of bounds and lands on the backside of the backboard, that's an indefensible shot, but he made that routinely. So instead of looking at one guy, I look at all these different guys and what they do that, that made them great. Uh, you know, Charles Barkley being 6'4", and, and rebounding yeah. like he did. I mean, there's just so many things you can look at. Uh, your man, Akeem, footwork that no big man has been able to match. You know, I remember uh, that year they uh, played the Spurs, and everybody always thought that David Robinson was the most athletic big man, but Akeem had him reaching and grabbing at air. You know, there's that highlight where he's just doing the dream shake, and, and Robinson has no counter for it. So we can talk about great with, without discounting the greatness of other people. You know, you got to talk about Oscar Robertson, you know, the, the uh, average triple-double for an entire season. There's just so many great players that have played, and I just don't want to fall in that ESPN trap of everything good started in 1990 because there are a lot right. of good things that happened before then. And that's that's me. It's it's a fine line to you gotta acknowledge the up and comers that play while you were growing up and play to your grown up, but you don't wanna forget the Jerry West, the Oscar Robinson, all those that you didn't see that were legendary as well that paid away and passed the torch and, you know, uh, Elgin Baylor, a high flyer that nobody even remembers, not a lot of footage. Connie Hawkins, you know, my dad continually talks about him. A lot of those guys that even paid away for Dr. J, who, you know, passed the torch on the Jordan. You know, it's just that fine line. You you always still want to respect the old guys and still yet don't hate on the new guys, you still get in love as well, but you you just I just wanted to kind of have it equally respect all around for all the great. Yeah. And, and LeBron's story is not done. You know, you don't know what the next four or five years are are going to bring as he fights off the the Steph Curry's, as he fights off the Anthony Davis. We haven't gotten to that point yet, and I think that's where uh, Jordan really cemented his legacy was that even as he got older, uh, all those guys, you know, in the mid, you know, denying the Sonics. And the Sonics had a great run in the mid-90s. Uh, there were some great uh, teams, but to fight those guys off and then to cap it by fighting off uh, the mailman in Stockton in the finals. Uh, LeBron still got that part of his career uh, to go to. I mean, he's still able to do a lot of things physically, but it's going to be interesting to see you know, what go-to move does he develop like Jordan did with his fadeaway? What's what's that next chapter going to bring? And I know we're running short on time, but the one person I think gets overlooked a lot is Kareem. I mean, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, back when he was Lou Alcindor, I mean, what, lost once or twice at UCLA? I mean, just 
he was dominant on every single level, but he doesn't even come up in the conversation a whole lot as best ever. So uh, I, that's just my two cents on it. Uh, I, I think LeBron is heading to that area. Uh, I think I tweeted out that he's no longer playing like he, he's not just playing the Warriors in this series. He's now playing against history, and it's a whole different level uh, of competition. Yeah, yeah. So we can't wait for tomorrow night. Uh, this time tomorrow, you know, all the coverage will be starting. Uh, the Oracle Arena will be amped and pumped, and we'll soon sit down and watch these finals unfold. Uh, and see what happens. Like you said, it's it's uh, gonna be fun to watch. You just got that look in his eye. And as far as that Jordan competitiveness, some of that he's kind of displaying a little bit more of that. He didn't always seem to have that, but it's kind of manifesting itself as LeBron has gotten a little bit older, and looks like he's gonna maybe have that chip and that edge uh, as the rest of his career plays out. Especially if he wants to continue to. Uh, write that legacy and etch that history out the way he wants it to be. Definitely, definitely. So that's another fun show for us tonight. We appreciate everybody tuning in. We appreciate Jeremy Sickle and Matt May taking time to hop on, talk Kansas City, and talk Triple Crown, Belmont States. Uh, appreciate all your insight and your knowledge. You got any pieces coming up that you've just written or about to write that you want to let us know about real quick before we end it? No, I mean, it was a great show. We had some really good guests. We we, we covered a lot of ground. You know, with soccer and hockey, I, I think we're an all-inclusive show. That's it. That's it. Um, look forward to doing all this again next Wednesday. Appreciate everybody that tuned in. Tonight, to cast talk with Vinny and Terry on the Brandon Hardy Radio Network on blogtalkradio.com. Look forward to enjoying the Stanley Cup tonight, NBA Finals tomorrow night. Y'all have a safe week, and we'll see y'all next week. Bye, everybody.